In this episode of The Full Nerd, no APU for you and NVIDIA's new 12-pin connector. Welcome to episode 146 of The Full Nerd. I'm your... Oh, damn it. What the hell do I normally... I don't even say the full. Here we go. Welcome to episode 146 of The Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gord Mong, with co-host Brad Charkas. Hello, Internet. Elena Yi. Hi, everyone. And Adam Patrick Murray is controlling the vertical and horizontal. But I'm looking real stylish doing it. You yeah. look smart today. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. They are uh, nice looking. Got merch. He's got the merch. Oh, we're working we on it. We're working on it. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about it a little later. Um, I want to hear about this. Uh, these new Ryzen APUs. I know Elena's probably excited, right? Yeah, I was excited. And then, they said that, <laughs> and then they're like, "Well, you can't buy it." And I was like, "Womp womp." Well, okay. Well, I'm going to give people the news for audio listeners. I'm going to read off the stack. There are six Ryzen. Um, six Ryzen parts, three Athlon Gold parts, uh, Ryzen 7 4700G, 8-core, 16-threads, 4-4 turbo, 3-6 base, 8 graphics cores, TDP of 65 watts, Ryzen 5 4600G, 6-cores, 12-threads, 4-2 turbo, 3-7 uh, base, 7 graphics cores, 65-watt TDP, Ryzen 3 4300G, quad-core, 8-threads, uh, four turbo, three eight base, seventeen hundred on the graphics frequency. I don't know why I mentioned that. Six graphics cores, sixty five watt TDP, and then there are GE versions of these chips, which basically crank back the turbos and base clocks and go to thirty five watts on the TDP. And there also there are also some uh, Athlon Gold parts. We're going to switch to the next slide here, slide two. Three Athlon Golds, Athlon Gold thirty one fifty G. Uh, four, four cores, four threads. No, basically three, nine is the max clock. Oh, there, oh, there's actually, and then there's Athlon Gold 3150 GE quad core, no SMT, three, eight on the clock on that. And of course, Athlon Silver dual core, four threads with SMT and, uh, 3.4 on that part. There's also some pro parts, which are essentially mirror versions of, of the Athlon and the Ryzen parts, and they are intended for uh, commercial markets, those little small form factor desktops like you see in your doctor's office or you'll see at the bank or something like that, and they have all the uh, encrypted memory management stuff. But it's really the, the Ryzen 4000G parts that are exciting. These are single die parts. They are essentially, these are not like the previous Ryzen CPU-only parts. These are... APUs, which they're not technically called externally anymore. Uh, they are basically the same chips that went into AMD's awesome game-changing uh, laptops, except now they're going into socket AM4 in 5-series uh, motherboards. B550 is generally what AMD thinks people are going to be building these with. I have a question. Yeah. So, since these are basically the same ones that are in the gaming laptops, that means the graphics cores are still the optimized 7 nanometer Vega rather than Navi? Yes, yes. So, they okay. are basically the exact same thing, single die. They are uh, they pick up a, a big boost from 7 nanometer Vega. Even though Vega is older, it's not the new, better stuff. You know, AMD has long said on their mobile parts, <clears throat> moving this 
core to seven nanometers actually got them a lot more performance than they expected. So it's actually turning out to be pretty good. And also 65 watts is higher than what you're getting out of uh, most laptops. You know, they had 35 watt, they had 15 watt, and they had uh, 45 watt TDP parts, although they would boost out of that, of course. But these are 65 watt. Uh, it would be interesting to see if they, they go above TDP or not, but um, they are optimized for the higher, you know, the infinite battery life, uh, infinite power, and basically higher uh, thermals of a desktop. And they say uh, we can actually go into – oh, no, wait. Well, r- real quick, we got a, a question from uh, the chat. Twi- or It's not a question. It's a comment. Twilight15 says they should just drop Athlon, not relevant anymore. What do you think about that, Gordon? Um, you know, they have to have something to offer people who can't pay, like, to a lot of people, $150 is way too much for a CPU. And this is, of course, to the OEM, the system maker that's selling these. Uh, I understand why people think drop Athlon, but it's, you know, they, if you have a 30, you have to have a chip at $35 to remain relevant for the entire world. So for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, that's crazy, but. $35 $35 is a lot for somebody in a place where, you know, the exchange rates are crazy. So it's it's a, yeah. it's, it's decent to address those people. And I've actually heard from a lot of those people who say, hey, I got this new Athlon one because where I live in South America or Africa or whatever, like getting, you know, one of the full-blown Ryzen parts or uh, Intel Core part are just ludicrous compared to the cost of living. Yeah. Yeah. And also remember, you know, you would think like a DVD or Blu-ray that you pay – Twenty to five dollars here might be five dollars over there because they're region locked and they want to lower the price. They can't do that with CPUs. Uh, like when I go to Taiwan, I always think, "Oh, I'm going to get an awesome price on a on a CPU." Or no, yeah. never. It's it's the exact same price, which is a total bummer. So that's the bummer part. It can even be more inflated, uh, yeah. depending where you go. Yeah, and these are, of course, they all have the Ryzen. You know, I just realized I, I, ne- I neglected to give you the the uh, gaming performance. I'm super uh, pumped send, about send that this. Slide and I'll put it in. Because people have asked about it on this very show. We now have an eight core APU part. That's great. Mm-hmm. Six core APU part as well, if I remember you saying that correctly. Yeah, six core, 12 thread. So we have a 16 thread APU. That's great. I can't wait to buy one of these and drop it into my system. But here's the, the question that comes up almost inevitably with that, Brad. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you just pair that with a discrete graphics card if you're running that kind of hardware? Most likely, yes. Uh, It depends on what you're doing, I would say. Uh, Because if you're buying something like this specifically for those 8 cores and 16 threads, there's probably a reason that you need that sort of hardware. Uh, In which case, this basically just lets you play Rocket League, which was announced today is going free-to-play, and other esports games... You know, while you're not computing or whatever you're doing, <laughs> I'm so always just, a big. F- oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I just dropped in the slide for graphics performance of the the hero part, the Ryzen seven forty seven hundred G. Okay. Yep. Go for show it. That, but you know, they're basically saying, um, you know, the advantage for this part is, you know, especially with the increased thermals of a desktop over a mobile part, is your AMD is claiming you're going to get very decent uh, 1080p gaming performance out of a uh, an APU, uh, you know, especially versus Intel's desktop parts, which, you know, have essentially ancient, you know, five-year-old graphics cores at this point. 
So you have these radian cores, which are Vega, and you have the higher TDP, I suppose even higher, you know, memory clocks of of a desktop over a, a laptop. And they're saying, yeah, CSGO, Rocket League, Dota. I mean, those are big numbers. Wow. Those are, I mean, uh, very decent uh, performance. You know? or, or well, big, big increases over the Intel parts. Yeah, yeah, I think it's telling that they don't have actual frames for there yeah. or anything and, like that. And that this actually, uh, you know, they're Settings. but the, in general, it's just to set it. They're basically saying, yeah, it's I way think better. <laughs> tweak settings. You're looking at maybe 1080, 1080p, uh, nineteen by ten performance at maybe sixties, fifties. You probably have to tweak some of the settings down a little bit. But you know, for a lot of people that can't afford a, a, a gpu then it's it's pretty decent especially mm-hmm. if you're buying an entirely built system and I, I do take amd for task although not this one but actually if you slow show that other slide adam that i had the uh slide which one the uh three the leadership performance in all segments yes all right that that now i do take amd to task for this <clears throat> because they essentially show off hey Look at our performance on, you know, Ryzen, Cinebench, R20, uh, R20, 3D Mark, and all this stuff. Although 3D Mark is fine, that's cool because the graphics cores and, and Intel desktop parts, they kind of stink, right? We all acknowledge this. They're just they've acknowledged this for a long time. But to compare, a lo- I have an issue with comparing these new Ryzen 4000 G chips against essentially ninth gen chips all of the comparisons that they they briefed us on showed it against ninth ninth gen um and i thought it was very in on graphics is one thing gaming that's fine but they also showed it against a lot of multi-threaded tasks um against those ninth gen parts and i thought it was really um you know it's it was pretty pretty unfair to intel that they would use ninth gen because one of the big changes with 10th gen is intel says we're just getting slaughtered down here at i5, I, you know, i7 by not having hyperthreading. The 10th gen turned on hyperthreading, which gives them, you know, it's going to give them a big bo- bigger boost in multi-threaded tasks. But AMD actually compared it to 9th gen. So their bars look bigger because the 9th gen 9700, the 9500, they, they don't have hyperthreading. It's a 6.6 and, you know, 8.8 versus, you know, 8.16 and, and 6.12, which I think is, you know, pretty unfair. I asked AMD about this, and they're like, well, you know, we, we just we couldn't get those 10th gen parts, is, is, was their explanation. So, mm-hmm. I think it's... Which uh, has a little bit more water credence in uh, today's world, where there are, you know, rampant supply issues, and Intel's been focusing more on the higher-end parts. Right. But it's still, I mean, AMD could get a hold of those 10th gen, at least one of them chips. Yeah, I mean, it feels like they could have, and... You know, I said, wow, that's interesting. So I went and looked. I couldn't find a 9700 on Amazon. I found a Newegg. I found the lower end 10, the i5, 10th gen parts on other stores. But I think one thing we have to realize is today I could find it. Maybe even last week I could find it. But AMD probably had to run all these tests a month ago Mm -hmm. because you have to run all the tests. Then you have to send it through the the chain of approval by lawyers and everybody has a look at it and has, you know, has to be checked off. So it is entirely possible. They could not get these, uh, the Intel competing 10th gen parts when they needed them to test. Um, that's still what they're officially saying is we couldn't get them, but I can easily also see if a, if Intel said we couldn't get the, you know, Ryzen 4,000 parts and we did our testing, 
um, people would be all over them and saying, well, come on, I can find these parts. I've, I've been able to buy them for two weeks now. And well, this, two weeks this is not enough time. So kind of gets to like people reacting very negatively towards these slides from AMD. And there's been a lot about Intel marketing slides recently. Right. Uh, marketing slides are always designed to show their product in the best possible light. Yep. Uh, even if it means comparing against last gen like this, I mean, their whole point is to sell you this stuff, to, to convince you that it's great. So always take these with massive grains of salt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't get mad at AMD for doing this. And I think it's great that you pointed it out because it very well should be pointed out. That's our job as journalists, right. but it's AMD's job to make these parts look as good as possible to the people yeah. they're trying to sell to. And I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason we're seeing these now actually is because Intel announced that you know it has something to show us on september 2nd i wouldn't be surprised if that's the debut of those uh z graphics or however you pronounce it right and i wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason amd got this out now is to get these parts with these graphics comparisons out now before z comes out so yeah that will be interesting to see how they 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 show up against z um you know, but overall, these are looking pretty solid. I guess if we wanted to look at one more chart, it could be comparing it to older parts. That was that uh, slide. So raising four, the bar for Ryzen. Raising the bar for Ryzen. And this is fair because it is comparing against previous gen parts. So a, a Ryzen 5 4600G versus a Ryzen 5 3400G. And they also have a Ryzen 7 4700G, which there was no Ryzen 7G part before. You know, Cinebench single thread, 21% uplift over that older, you know, uh, Zen Plus part. And then Cinebench uh, in multi-threaded performance, the the new Ryzen 5 4600G is 94% faster, and the Ryzen 7 is 152%. Graphics, uh, closer than I would have expected, but still, you know, it's a nice bump. Four, 6% in Time Spy and 19% for that Ryzen 7 4700G. So, Speaking of marketing, the aspect ratios on that chart cracked me up. Because if you look at the Cinebench R20 multi-thread and the 3D Mark Time Spy, those graphs look very similar, even though one's plus 94% and the other one's plus 6%. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's interesting, right? Because that's tough because they, you know... Totally different are, things. Yeah, and one of the things when you're creating a PowerPoint, you don't, it's not, I don't, I don't imagine they're importing from Excel. It's it's chip, it's typically done by an, an, uh, a graphics department using a Mac, and I will say that because that's what happens <laughs> when we have it. Is, is you hand it? In. No, no, you hand it to a graphic artist. They get the Excel spread. They have to basically sort of eyeball it, and you know sometimes things don't um, don't actually translate directly because yeah. their job is to make it look pretty. It's not to make, you know generate an Excel created chart. That's what Excel's for, making you know antiseptic looking charts. This is uh, probably made by a graphic artist that go, well, that looks pretty close. And uh, things get missed, especially in these current times where you just can't poke your head up over a partition and say, hey, you screwed this up. So, um, and, and we're being kind of skeptical on the marketing here. But to me, at least, like we loved previous generation APUs. This is just more cores, faster cores, better graphics. Like, these look like great parts to me. Like, we're given the marketing crap, but these look like very good parts actually, on paper. One thing to point out um, that I don't think we've actually addressed yet is that um, 
if you look at the comparison between the older APUs, like the 3200G, 3400G versus, I guess, their current counterparts, which is the 4300 and 4600G, um, the core count has gone down for the Vega cores. So they're posting supposedly those numbers of improvement with fewer cores. So I think that's actually an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those things where they sort of address that with the mobile parts because these are essentially mobile parts moved into desktop. Is they said they made choices based on you know efficiency, you know they that was also pointed out in the the U and the H part the forty seven hundreds where some parts actually there was there were fewer graphics cores but they said the performances actually ended up being about the same yeah. even though it was less so yeah and you know for these they didn't really you know you don't spend a ton of R and D to you know sell a a thirty two dollar CPU so. These are translations of, of the mobile parts. Sure. I just, for me, I think it's interesting that for all we're talking about the marketing, that they didn't bother to really point that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I think it's because they sort of expect, you know, they, most of the people that have, that have seen this, I would imagine were already down. We were down at Austin when they briefed us on the mobile parts. So they sort of expect you to have, they can't rebrief everybody and everything because then you have to take like days. So it That's is fair. it is hard. Part. Although I do think maybe sometimes there are issues because a lot of the people uh, that concentrate solely on desktop enthusiasts didn't do the mobile stuff. So I'm lucky because I was at I do the mobile stuff and I do the desktop stuff. So I remember that line, one of those throwaway lines from two days of of, of talks that you you sort of remember. But they're like, yeah, it's ends up being roughly the same. So on paper, it looks less. But remember, these are Vega cores. The older the older cores sure. are not Vega cores. So, so if this all looks good. There has to be a catch. Yeah, the catch is Elaine is not putting this into her system. <laughs> I can't do an update on our three hundred dollar PC from earlier this year because it's not yeah. available. DIY builders. I have not seen the reaction to the, on how has the how has the community reaction been to this? Has anybody seen what people have said? Because uh, the big news in all this is like, hey, these are awesome parts, and you can only get them in a big box, a big OEM box. In fact, so mm-hmm. a Lenovo, a a Dell, an HP, the big companies. You're not going to even get them from the smaller companies. You're not going to get consumer chips. You will get the pro chips. You can get those from your system integrators like CyberPower, iBuyPower, Velocity Micro. In fact, have the pro chips, but you're not going to be able to get the Ryzen consumer chips. Um, you can't go to the store. You're not going to be able to buy them. They're not going to sell them to consumers is what they're saying. I haven't been able to look around too too widely, but personally in my own Twitter mentions, because, you know, obviously we were discussing this, this morning, uh, a lot of people seem to take heart in what Robert Halleck said. That yes, oh, yes, there are no DIY parts right now. We do totally plan on doing some APUs for th- for four hundred and five hundred series motherboards soon. Yep. Is the TLDR basically, and a lot of people were happy with that, at least in my Twitter mentions. Yeah, which is I, very much anecdotal. Yeah, and I think it's actually it was actually really smart of them because if they didn't get that out in front of it, and, and I will read you his quotes, you know, quote, so if those enthusiasts are reading the news tomorrow and thinking, where's my upgrade? I promise it's coming. <laughs> Halleck said, he said that to us. I actually went in and I wrote it down, made sure I got it correct. Um, so did, it is coming. Did he They're yell basically... it like that? Did he do it all in caps? Please say that he did. 
He didn't, but you, you know, if he didn't say that, if AMD, AMD knows they would be getting dragged through the mud right now if they didn't come out and say, we got something better coming because technology companies never promise anything. You never promise anything because if you don't deliver, then suddenly somebody comes up, somebody fires a, a, a lawyer smart missile at you and you're looking at a lawsuit because that's how the world works, unfortunately. So they clearly have something coming and the fact that it'll work in existing four series boards as well as five series boards, I think it's enough to keep the, the natives rest, natives restless, as they say, right? So people are people are not going to be unhappy at this point, uh, as long as the parts show up. The timing makes sense to me, too. I'm guessing they're still working on a, maybe a more traditional back-to-school cycle, right, with the OEMs. So they'd want to get that in for this year before they, uh, you know, address DIY builders. Yeah. Yeah, and there's really, you know, and, and this is, the thing is, it's a very vocal community. You know, there's forums. People like to yell about everything on the Internet. Actual DIY crowd is, even though it's grown leaps and bounds over the last 10 years, is still fairly tiny compared to the amount of computers that you think about Dell, yeah. HP, Lenovo, Acer, Asus, all those companies move a lot of computers, especially those really big OEMs. So I think their estimate was like really, really rough estimate. Uh, PC makers, just for desktop DIY, I mean, desktop pre-builts are probably, it's probably four to five times the size of the entire DIY market. So that's a lot more cheap CPUs you're going to sell. That makes sense and explains why, if you look at all the retailers, DIY Ryzen has been largely dominating for a couple of generations now. But if you go and look at their quarterly financials, like Intel still makes loads more money than AMD. It's because mm-hmm. they're the ones who are inside all these computers typically. Right. Yeah. So it makes sense for AMD to be attacking it more aggressively. Yeah, and that's where the money is. The money is in laptops. It's in pre-builts. These companies sell tens of millions of computers every year. So mm-hmm. it's it's really where you want to be if you want to stay in business and be relevant. So it is this is a good sign. Although I it is a bummer they couldn't sell these parts. It does make you think like, well hell, you know, if we have to fulfill these orders, we just you know what, there's we gotta cut something out and there's no reason to to sell the DIY if they if they've got OEMs that want to buy all those chips right now, we're gonna pay you the money on contract versus putting them on a shelf and hoping people buy them and then of course we got a new part coming anyway so well i mean right now amd is the only one of the big three chip makers on seven nanometer and they got them in laptops desktops systems like this you know they're going into the next gen consoles they're going into radeon graphics cards i'm i wouldn't be surprised if it's just a simple matter of we only have so many we got to figure out where this is going right yep and it makes a lot of sense and you got to keep it's hard to get into OEMs. It is really hard because they make big bets. It's a it's a massive engineering and supply chain and a lot of management to get these boxes out the door and sell them. So once you're in, you want to keep them happy. And I will say going all the way back to the late, nine, late 90s, early 2000s, I remember HP had always been aboard with uh, AMD parts. And even when, you know, AMD was resurgent back then. Uh, Dell, at that point, I remember conversations I had because of the same question. It was like, well, why aren't you selling, uh, why aren't you selling uh, AMD? Why aren't you selling Athlon? And they were like, look, we, 
we we need scale. We need significant scale, and that's what they told me is we we need significant scale, and you know we can't meet that right now with AMD. They did later on switch over to AMD. Now, of course, everybody's going to want to accuse all the the back channel shenanigans and all that other stuff. But I will say, if I take them on their faith, I was told they didn't have scale, and I could believe it because AMD was always much much smaller than Intel. So. If you're gonna make a commit with a, an HP or a Dell, and they they t- they say we need five million of these things, you got to come up yeah. with five million. So, uh, so I, I do have a couple questions from the chat. Uh, Dennis Siberian, friend of the show, uh, is asking a couple questions. Good ones. Are there any limitations for Athlon parts in regards to PCIe lanes and overclocking compared to the Ryzen parts? You know, they didn't get into that. Um, Remember, these are these are duplicates, and I I forgot to mention this earlier, but <clears throat> so there's no PCIe four. These are mobile parts. PCIe four was not in mobile because of the power limitations of a, of a laptop. Also, the um, the GPU, the PCIe connection to the GPU is by eight Gen three. So plenty, plenty still. So um, as far as overclocking, I mean, it could be promising. You know, these are these are these will be different than their um, desktop CPUs, the ones without uh, uh, graphics cores. But my guess is you won't find out because, for one thing, they will be in OEM boxes, and it's possible OEMs do not want you to overclock heavily to the point where you blow up their machine and then call them up and want a new one because you blew it up overclocking. So. Especially where the market these are going to. These are not like, hey, we're going to sell you a high-end machine like uh, an X or a K part that's intended to overclock with all the cool cooling and heavy-duty VRMs. These will go into more budget-friendly boxes, and overclocking and budget-friendly generally don't mix. So I don't know if we're going to find out with these parts. Especially because a lot of the pre-builds put the bare minimum in as far as power supplies. So. Yep. Yeah, everything from power supply to VRMs to motherboard quality, mm-hmm. they're not made for you to overclock because yep. they're trying to make money. And these are uh, these are still very much mainstream parts. This is, again, this, this Ryzen 747G may play CSGO or Rocket League great, but it's really expected that that customer is not going to want to put a GPU in. You can obviously run a GPU with these if you want to, but they sort of expect this crowd to not want a GPU. They just want to be able to play games that... Generally, we're much poorer on an, on an Intel-based um, CPU. All right. Uh, well, maybe along the same lines, Dennis asks, uh, what motherboards support these chips? Uh, 5 Series, but, you know, they're not going to be paired with high-end 5. So uh, a B550 mostly for these APUs, and then for the Pro side to enable all the manageability, you will need it. There's a Pro version of the 550 that you'd have to run. Okay, and a couple of people were asking, uh, is it soldered in, uh, or does it use thermal paste? Oh, you mean is it? You were talking about the uh, the heat spreader to to die. Is it yeah. the chip itself? Is it connected to it? Both. Yeah. <laughs> is it soldered or is it dropped? Oh, because I, I was wondering if you were saying if it's a BGA only part. No, these are socketed parts. Um, as far as the pictures go, I, I imagine these are these are just AM4 parts um, because they will drop into motherboards. Uh, these are socketed parts. I didn't ask specifically, but all the pictures clearly show it's a it's a standard PGA AM4 part from the looks of it. 
I didn't ask specifically, but I'm 99% sure that's what they are. Um, sometimes you make assumptions and it bites you. Um, but yes, these are, these are not, these are not BGA soldered down the motherboard. These are, these are, uh, socketed parts. Typically when they're soldered down, they make a point of saying that as well, at least in the briefings. So, yeah, I, I thought you were meant, you're talking about the, the Tim, whether it was, or well, the internal Tim, whether it was, you know, a paste or, you know, metallic. So I have no idea. It's the paste. It's the cheap stuff. Uh, probably. <laughs> Although AMD has used, yeah, they have, they've often used. For these parts. For these parts, it'd be interesting. It's it's actually a good follow-up question because, you know what, maybe they don't want to pay. There's a reason why Intel used lower-cost paste, right? So it's mm-hmm. possible. Cool. Anything else on uh, on these parts? I, do we know if we're going to get any OEM builds uh, to, to test or... You know, we could. We generally don't. I think that's what they expect people to do is they, in this case, they would ask OEMs to send reviewers who want to look at the performance of these a, uh, a complete system because that's how a consumer would buy it. So I should probably ask for one because I am interested to see how it performs because I, I've i always been not, I mean, for gaming, I still think if you're really going to game, it's really hard to beat a $100 GPU. So... We'll we'll try to get one in. But if you don't have much money and you really want a game, it's really hard to beat uh, one hundred and fifty dollars GPU plus CPU. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although it's interesting because you would think like clearly because there is no you know GDDR with these, it's going to rely on the onboard memory plugged into the motherboard. So higher clock is higher bandwidth is going to benefit it. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Would a person actually buy? Uh, integrated graphics APU and then also pay, pony up for the for the high end top end you know overclockable memory I, I don't know if that's something somebody would do well that's also going to be dependent on the vendors right so yeah and what they support it, you're right what they offer because sometimes like I've gone through the configurators and it's like you have you can choose between eight gigs four gigs and eight gigs of twenty six sixty six RAM and I'm like great yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they may not even offer um, higher clock memory, right? You may even find them with single channel, frankly, for costs. I mean, especially down at that Athlon Gold part, but it's, you know. Yeah. Sweet. There, I'm trying to get there is. I think we've we've covered That's everything. Good. I think so. I think so it's no, talk about some power. No GPU for you. No <laughs> APU for you. Not for, for now. For yeah, now. for now. For now. All right, yeah. Uh, Brad, what's going on with this new power pin? Are people going to have to to get new power supplies? Uh, Well, we just want to talk about this because there's been a lot of articles going around the Internet recently based on rumors. Wait, Uh, Brad, Brad, wait. I read read a headline that said with the new Ampere GPUs, I'll have to replace... Not Half only PC. my, I'll have to replace my entire power supply, and I may have to rewire my house for uh, two hundred and twenty to the socket. I mean, like we're talking major surgery to run these new. I mean, I'm not trying to be alarmist, but you know, but I am. yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not even exaggerating that much. There have been some articles that are close to that, but anyway, if 
you know, standard power supplies could run a 295 X2, it could probably run Ampere. So, anyway, <laughs> there are a bunch of rumors going around. Tom's Hardware managed to dig up, uh, it says schematics from SIG SIG, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, uh, saying that NVIDIA's working on developing a 12-pin power connector for use with graphics cards. So, you know, give you much more power from the from the power supply. And people are looking at this like, hey, we're going to need, you know, these crazy 12-pin, you know, power cords to be able to run NVIDIA's next-gen parts. Uh, I, I find that highly unlikely for many reasons. Uh, one, if it's only just now getting submitted to, you know, get certified and whatnot, it's hard to imagine it getting approved and then having all the other power supply makers making power supplies with this support for this new 12 pin, you know, thing uh, in the next two or three months or whenever we're expecting Ampere. Uh, two, you, I mean, a 12 pin power connector gets you like something like six or 700 watts. I forget. I don't have it open. Uh, and that's overkill right now for graphics cards. I would expect that's probably going to be overkill even for high-end Ampere cards. Uh, and it's important to keep in mind that NVIDIA also creates cards for workstations, you know, pre-built things like we were just talking about with APUs. NVIDIA does the same kind of thing, but for high-end workstations and data compute and stuff like that. And I think it's much more likely that we would see 12-pin power connectors in those sorts of, you know, scenarios first. Uh, and three, I was just watching Gamers Nexus, uh, Steve, this morning, his new hardware news, where he basically confirmed that, yes, you know, we, we've heard about this. We NVIDIA is looking into 12-pin power connectors. Uh, their sources say that it's more likely to be for OEMs. Uh, so, like, if you're making a pre-built system, you know, you can just use this one single power cord. And that everyone they're talking to at graphics card companies say they're much more likely to just continue to use two or three 8-pin power connectors. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, fear-mongering articles going around right now. Uh, I find it highly unlikely that we will see all of a sudden 12-pin power cords across the entire Ampere line. Even the high end, I would be surprised. Uh, Steve at Gamers Nexus says it might be the very tippy-top ones, perhaps, on NVIDIA's own, like, Founders Edition boards. But, I mean, don't get outraged over something that hasn't happened yet because it looks very unlikely. Yeah. I actually was talking to a power supply vendor. Um, we were just kind of like kicking it around, and you know, he did wonder. Like, I he was like, I wonder if he didn't seem to have insight that he wants to tell me anyway. But he did feel like <clears throat> maybe this Nvidia is finding that for some high draw applications, that perhaps not all eight pin power supplies actually can really hit. You know the limit. I mean, it's been a long yeah. time since we've needed the powers for an X2 card. So, yep. Maybe some of the lower, maybe some some substandard power supplies can't, or maybe the cables can't mm -hmm. do it. So maybe this sort of forces people to to um, issue new power supplies for it, mm -hmm. or at least new wires, new new cabling that, that yeah. can hit it. But who who knows? And that's something that Steve was saying too. Like the articles that say you're going to have to replace your power supply and all this and all that. They really, it, I mean, it's ex existing, like, it doesn't radically overhaul what's already going on with power supplies. You just need new cables. Uh, that being said, with the way the world is right now, like, 
power supplies are one of the components that are hardest hit during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. They are out of stock everywhere. They are expensive when you can Super find expensive. them. And I mean, I just can't foresee NVIDIA saying, hey, you know, here's Ampere. You've been waiting for it. You're also going to have to invest in the power supply. Hopefully you can get it. I can't even imagine power supply makers being able to roll out power supplies that quickly to support it. Yeah. And actually, I think it does make sense for that OEM answer, too. Mm-hmm. As you know, you were mentioning, Steve mentioned this, because OEMs, you know, they, again, if you're HP or Dell and you're going to make 4 million of them, you make up your own spec. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and you don't want to have to have workers plugging in, you know, two A pins to a GPU. It's just a pain. If it's a single, if it's a single plug in solution, then mm-hmm. it just makes building those computers a lot easier and a lot li- less likely to screw something up and yep. makes the wiring cleaner. So maybe this is just something on the roadmap for later on. Yeah, and I mean, if they do start building it in now, and they do start getting OEMs and power supply makers open to the idea of these twelve-pin cables existing, uh, I mean, we could very well see it introduced to uh, DIY graphics card in the future, like in future generations of the board. I wouldn't be surprised of the GPUs, uh, but it takes time to set all that stuff up, and I just don't think there's time right now. But once, you know, HP and Dell are rolling these out in OEM systems, if that happens, then, I mean, it's real easy for the rest of the industry to start going, oh, okay, we're going to do that too kind of yeah. deal. Yeah. And to clarify, I believe that these are not, like, new cables in the sense that you would swap out a modular power supplies cables. They're just a, they're an extension or adapter cables, so you would attach it to the ends of an existing cable. So it should, in theory, be compatible with, you know, non-modular power supplies as well. Although I guess, so the weakness, one theory, though, is like if it really is, um, you know, because one part of this has been like, well, the 12-pin requires, uh, oh, it's always backwards, a larger gauge wire that's, of course, still uses a a smaller number to indicate the larger gauge. (laughs) But it would indicate they need a larger gauge and, that might not necessarily sort of solve that for some of those inferior power supplies, I guess. Yeah, it would very much depend. And Steve was even speculating that if NVIDIA decides to do these 12-pin power connectors on their 3080 Ti Founders Edition or whatever, they would just throw an adapter in the box like Apple style. So, I, I, It is funny, though. I, I thought it was his best because he really sort of like – it is – I don't understand – why everybody gets into the hand wringing over this. I mean, maybe it's because of the media likes to fan the flames by saying you'll have to like buy a new house with new wiring to run this. But I just don't like, like, cause he was like, yeah, I've known about this for like a month, but like, it's just a stupid <laughs> it's a wire. Cable. <laughs> it's a cable. But everybody's like doing the full freak out. Like, what is like a, yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. Cause honestly, if you are a cable management person, this is actually good news for you. If you can go yep. down to one cable to power your GPU instead of having two, that I, it would be. Again, I strongly don't think it's going to matter, possibly at all, matter. and definitely not to ninety nine percent of people. Yeah, with Amp- if it does come out, it'll be on the super high end models. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't like, make a lot of sense. And it's like it's only one piece of information that's not even confirmed, so yeah. the story's not even out yet. Yeah, so we're basically talking about it, uh, much like Steve was saying, it's a cable, but chill, everybody. I mean, it's, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. If it does happen, it's probably not going to affect you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay. You know, I, I do think, though, 
the full freak out sometimes like yeah most of the time it's like yeah whatever you freaked out for nothing and sometimes like oh damn actually (laughs) (laughs) but i i just no i don't believe it i don't it has happened in the past i want to point that out it is fair and then those people go see Mm -hmm. i was right it's like damn (laughs) (laughs) well i I have 10 minutes, so if there are any questions, maybe, could we uh, hop to that like so I can tackle any ones that might be in my purview? Yeah, I'll say, well, yeah, uh, before that, something that will be affecting everybody uh, is definitely awesome Full Nerd merch. Yeah. Uh, a couple people have noticed in the chat. Uh, Check it out. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have uh, our awesome in-house uh, designer, Rob, uh, he, he works on uh, all the brands, and we were like, hey, we, we want to get some Full Nerd uh, apparel going on. Can you help us out? So he came up with two two designs. Uh, one is this this rad GPU with a... With ready a to build. Ready to build one. is what we're calling. Uh, <laughs> and then this one is just kind of a, a, a Full Nerd logo, logo with... Uh, it has a little component parts uh, circling around the logo. So it's it's pretty cool. Um you know, we we've been we've been working on this a while. I know we've we've brought it up before, but we finally got some samples in. Uh, you know, and one of the questions uh, before we talk about anybody buying this stuff uh, that we want to get out there is, you know, we've looked at a lot of vendors. You know, and it seems to be this uh, kind of sliding scale uh, between quality versus cost. You know, and and you know, because there's most of the ones we're going to do are are going to be made to order. We don't want to handle fulfillment. That's we already have enough stuff to do, so you know we're we're going to work with a vendor to do that. Uh, but you know, I, I want to ask everybody here if you can put it in the chat real quick. Uh, you know, when when you buy stuff like shirts or or stickers or whatever uh, that we offer, or, you know, do you do you care more about the cost of it? Would you rather have you know something that's that's a little cheaper, uh, or or is it something that you're like, you know what, I'm I'm willing to pay top dollar for a really nice shirt. Uh, I'm kind of at least a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we're we're not looking to to make you know huge bank with this stuff, but you know, it seems to be depending on what vendor we go with. Uh, it's kind of a sliding scale, so you know, I I kind of want to see what what uh what what people say, and then also options too. I mean, you know, we got shirts, uh, stickers. I got posters, samples of posters coming in. I even uh, face we even, mask. Yeah, we even got a face mask. I was I was wearing earlier in the show. Uh, but yeah, so you know, I'm curious to see what what people are interested in. Um, and yeah, ho- hopefully, I mean, if we can get it sorted out, we can, we can start posting it soon. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. This is something we've been working on for a while and, and I, yeah, especially this, this logo right here, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, and we're already working with Rob for, for another round. Uh, yeah, promise we're, we're going to do a smooth 30 shirt. I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> um, I am not part of the chat. But since I haven't talked about it with you before, I really like you see me wearing uh, Bitwit Kyle's like screw competent shirts and stuff like that. I have a bunch of his shirts and mm-hmm. that they're about 20 bucks uh, and 20, 23 dollars. And that's about where I like to be for merchandise like this. And they are pretty decent quality. Actually, they hold up nice, you know, working out, throwing them in the dryer, stuff like that. No complaints. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, and we got some people talking about uh, shipping costs. Uh, unfortunately, because we're we're not going to handle fulfillment, that's one of the things that that's that's going to be a little bit of out of our hands. I think it depends on what vendor you go with. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we definitely want shipping to be, uh, you know, reasonable. You know, uh, so once again, we're we're not looking to to make a ton of money. We just we want to get the gear out there. And personally, I mean, I just want to be able to wear it too. So. 
Are we going to uh, get some in for giveaways? That would be yeah, nice. so all giveaway the, all to these... me. Giveaway to me. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so all the, all the samples I've already gotten in, I mean, I'm going to hold on to a couple for myself, but I, I do have a ton of samples here. Uh, you know, you can't see it, but wow. yeah, we got hoodies and, and different yeah. kinds of shirts and stuff like that. So yeah, the, these will be... These will be done oh. with giveaways too. So also, we definitely have women's shirts because yes, women's sizes. Yes, that's it's uh, it's Do important. Do you have XL? I, yeah, most most XL. of the vendors go to like two XL at least, uh, depending. Yeah. Like this one's a tri blend, uh, which is it goes does only goes up to two XL, but the, we have like a classic tee that goes up to three XL. I think so. You know, Four once XL, again, it, it it depends on the vendor. We're trying to find the 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 best fit for it. So. Uh, and then, yeah, color options. I mean, uh, it's, you know, we, we, we like greens and reds and yellows and, you know, black, of course, is, yeah. is pretty standard. Uh, yeah, gray and purple. And yeah, we, we, we might go a little crazy. Uh, like like some of them, what is it? Uh, I got a sticker, pink, hot hot pink <laughs> <laughs> sticker with the, uh, with the yellow logo on it. Uh, you know, greens and reds and yellows. Anyway, yeah, so... <laughs> We're 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 looking nice. into it, you know. We're exploring. We we want to we want to have good options. Uh, Can't be a real so. person today without merch. Yeah, yeah. We and should then, have our own personal merch. You should just everybody should just have their own merch. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and uh, unfortunately, I haven't uh, I haven't seen any any places that offer like uh, like stick on temporary tattoos. That'd be cool. We Full can make this separately. Temporary tattoo. I actually have friends who have done. Oh, that, you do. So. Oh, okay, that's funny. <laughs> but uh, so. we'll have to figure out the fulfillment on those. Those might just be giveaway items. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, uh, yeah, well, let us know. You know what what, what you like, uh, and we will we'll get right on it as soon as we can. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, uh, this is. This is a, the Q&A section if you want to get your question in at any time during the week. Uh, there's a link in the Discord channel um, for, for a place to, to uh, drop questions uh, or just at me in the chat right now. Uh, I've got one from a little earlier from uh, Vithor Leal. It says, uh, how often do you guys repaste CPUs and GPUs? Uh, is once or twice a year enough? You doing it less or more? Oh, that's a lot <laughs> for, for how I do it. I I think at this point I'm doing it maybe every four to five years, and it's really just dependent on if I notice there's like something a little funny with my performance. So then I'll load up like a hardware monitor and see what my temps are like, and if I don't like them, then I repaste. Every two hours, I think is recommended. <laughs> For maximum performance. No, I, you know, I, I usually do it when, oh, why is it crashing? That's like, yeah. my son's computer started to crash. It's like, uh, it's like, I, it's like, you know, I built this machine probably like eight years ago. So hmm, maybe it's that, but you know what? I'll just take the side of the case off. Hey, it stopped crashing. So <laughs> yeah, I do it I the same, the same deal. Once I start, you know, noticing things getting slow or whatever, fire up hardware. I always have core temp running anyway on my computer. So if I start seeing those start to creep up over time and be an issue, then I'll do it. Uh, I only ever really do it with CPUs. Uh, in all the years I've been PC gaming with graphics cards, yes, you can get performance improvements. Spend a few years by repasting your GPU, but it's a massive pain in the butt. And personally, I found that by the time I need to start worrying about potentially bothering to repasting a GPU, uh, I've already bought the next one. So, <laughs> yeah. Plus, GPU. like, it, like even back when I was, you know, you know, three or four years between GPUs, like your GPU pace is going to hold up fine for that stretch of time. Also, with GPUs, there's no heat spreader, so 
there is a higher risk, although if you're careful, it's, it's very low, but there's a higher risk of actually damaging the quartz, the cores themselves. So you don't, you want to be careful. Yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, th this is kind of a, a, f a fun side one, but I think a Elaine will join it. Uh, friend of the show, Dennis, a Siberian. Another great question. What is your dream VR experience? Would you prefer it based on fiction, like exploring DS9 or, or uh, uh, B5 stations, uh, or real life, like hiking? Oh, God. That's, uh. Is that even a choice? <laughs> I mean, so this you know. face, this face is not for the question. It's the idea that I'd have to go back into VR because <laughs> it makes me super nauseated. Well, so. if, if if you could, if you could, what kind of experiences would you would oh, you like in it? Deep Space Nine. Would I mean that would like you, you know like and I actually still have on the shelf behind me the old Star Trek um, virtual bridges. They came on a CD ROM and it was in QuickTime VR, and you would go and you could. They made QuickTime VR of all the bridges in Star Trek, and you hmm. could. You could actually look around, and then you could touch the control panels, and it would do stuff. But in VR, that would be awesome, right? Yeah. Maybe I'm bored with that. More than, yeah, sure. More so than Grand Canyon or Yosemite or any of that. So it's just like, yeah, hey. <laughs> all right. I'm all right. big into virtual tourism, actually. Like, to me, that's one of the most compelling features of VR at this point. Like, games are all cool and all, but they're mostly shorter experiences. Uh, I think the virtual tourism is super cool, personally. Like, I love, you know, Google Street View or whatever they call it in VR. Uh, but for me, I would love to see, like, they put Skyrim and Fallout 4 out in VR, but it was kind of just the core game pasted into VR. and It was pretty awesome. I would love to see, you know, things like that, like the Capital Wasteland and Skyrim and everything, uh, but built from the ground up for VR. Like, if I could go explore that and it was made for VR and not treated as an afterthought, I think I could lose a lot of hours in there. Okay, cool. Uh, man, we're, we, we keep getting uh, socket questions uh, or CPU-related questions. Uh, DRK, I don't know, you know, it's a YouTube name. Uh, it was their first build, and they used too much paste, so it ran over the edge of the mountain cooler. Should I repaste? Or just run with it as is. Just wipe it up a little bit. Don't worry about it. Is it a conductive pace? Then that would not be good. But yeah, if it's like one of those metal pace, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's probably okay till it's not okay. In general, I mean that does happen sometimes. I've had it happen to me sometimes. Uh, just depends on how you set it set it up. Just dab it away. It's not a big deal. It, it takes seconds. Bye, everybody. Bye, Lena. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, next one's from uh, Rick Elder. What's the proper way for removing a cooler from an AMD CPU so I don't rip it out of the socket and bend the pins? You know, I have experienced that many times before. So I think somebody even made a tool to remove it. But what I've always mm -hmm. done in the past, one thing you can do is run the machine a little bit and heat up the paste. And sometimes that makes it a little easier to remove. That's but the big pro tip. The other one, though, you can even do this if you're very careful. Because remember, it's connected by those pins. You can you can straighten a pin, but a broken pin, you're just that's it's over. But if you actually, you were talking about an old style AMD cooler. If you just 
gently twist it, very gently, like a millimeter, maybe a millimeter, back and forth, back and forth, back. You just keep working it. Eventually, it will work loose, and you can remove it. And I've done that, I mean, I don't know how many times, dozens and dozens of times, because they're always glued. They're, like, practically glued on there, So especially with those AMD parts. So you just simply carefully, carefully just, you know, rock it just a little bit back and forth on the same plane. Don't pull on it, because if you pull on it, you will pull the CPU out of the socket, and you're probably going to break something, although... You I've pulled probably I've, three out accidentally, and none of them and have they, broken. Yeah, they haven't broken, but I, if, I, I just don't want to be doing it, it, though. <laughs> I don't recommend it, and it will survive. That's why PGAs have always been awesome, because they can survive, whereas yeah. BGAs, you know, they you, you bend that motherboard pin, and, you know, 80% of the time, you're 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 done. But um, I did that once. I bent a motherboard pin in a high-end extreme motherboard. Uh... And I had to sit there for two or three hours with like a magnifying glass, and <laughs> I managed to get it working again. But it was not fun. Yeah, the worst thing the the other the other uh, classic problem you have is when you build your motherboard, you take that lid, that little plastic lid that's in the socket, you you put it somewhere very safe, and you keep it either with the motherboard itself in the system, or you keep it in the box in the motherboard. Because what happens is if you don't have it and you've got to RMA that board, you have to have that plastic cover. And if you have multiple motherboards from different brands, you have a Foxconn, you have a so-and-so, they use different covers. And some of them, I don't know why, actually have things that protrude out of that cover. So if you use the wrong cover on an Intel-based board with BGAs and you put it in the motherboard and you close, you clamp down that socket, you will crush a ton of pins. So... That does happen. I've never done that myself, but I have had coworkers do that over and over and over again. So make sure you keep that plastic lid with the motherboard or in the motherboard box, and you know it matches that motherboard. You might even want to write on there for this motherboard so you don't screw it up because they actually are different, and you can damage the motherboard with it. Just to be clear, when he says he's had coworkers do that, that does not include me. I have not done that. Coworkers at a previous previous. And, you know, this person, I'm not going to name the person, but he was like, I I don't know what happened. It's like, dude, look, this like, <laughs> I'm not talking like, you know, one pin that you bend out of the way. I'm talking about like you've mashed like, you know, 25 of them down to like this board is trashed. And he's like, it's like, damn, man. And then he did it again. It's like, dude, you got to. Mind that plastic, keep that plastic with the, just like, cause you know, especially for places that have 20 motherboards and you've got all the, the different, what pick, they're called pick and place or something of those covers. Mm-hmm. They don't, you mix those up and you, you mess it up. You're going to screw it. You're going to screw it up and it, it happens. It will happen. Yikes. I'm glad I've never done anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It's terrifying. People yeah. people talk about, you know, oh, no, I bent the pins on my CPU. That's nothing compared to oh, yeah. the feeling that you get when you see smash pins in a motherboard. Yeah, I wonder what the record is for um, bent pin r- repairs. I think I've done like eight, which isn't a lot, but I'm sure people have done like 30. You mean I'm like sure eight the Bauer is like, pins? The Bauer probably like solders them back in place or something. I'm like, oh, forget it. It's not worth it. I, I don't have the hands for it. I, I don't have the hands for it. You know, oh, it's, it's somebody in the chat. F two F tech says uh, pins are easy to solder back on. Yeah, yeah. See, that's no. Yeah, if you're young, 
Get older, drink a lot of coffee. No. Well, no, it's all the, it's all that hand wringing, right? You know. Oh, it's the hand wringing. <laughs> oh my God, twelve pin. Uh, Hello, is this a power company? I need more power because I've got to <laughs> run a twelve pin for my new amp here. I read on the internet it's not going to run. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we, we got in uh, some super chats I for, neglected to mention. Uh, Brian Finkel just gave us $10. Thank you, Brian. That is awesome. Uh, he says, did you see Linus's video on getting realistic VR? Hooked up something like eight dongles to get all extremities reacting properly and took two days uh, to put together. Wow. I'm not uh, surprised. Wait, all I need extremities? To watch that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think the like all motor functions. Uh, I'm I'm not quite sure. I, I haven't watched the video. Uh, I, it's I'm just on, it's trying on to think of where those other. <laughs> yeah, what kind of VR are, are you watching? What kind of well, VR? I mean, it's, it's probably you know uh, yeah yeah the feet and everything. Yeah. Feet, knees, yeah. elbows, hands. I'm not surprised. Like they're Uh-oh. made to okay. <laughs> just okay. run the controllers. Okay, it's right. so like I didn't know you could do that on YouTube. I thought you had to go to one of those other large video <laughs> streaming places to do that. Kind of uh, okay, um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. We, we, I, I should check it out. That does sound interesting. Uh, and then uh, earlier, just some gamer gave us two uh, e with a lines in it. I was euros. Euros. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, it says uh, I have Lianli streamer plus. Two times six plus two pin. Will it work for the twelve pin? The oh strimmer. Actually, yeah. this is something Elena and I the, saw. The uh, RGB yeah, power yeah, supply yeah. thing. Uh, it will depend on how it all comes out, right? Yeah, and yeah, no. Just because six plus six is is twelve, I, I don't it's think not that's quite the same. Not not really the same. We don't. The pinouts are probably keyed, so you can't just you know. I don't think. What would be the point of having twelve pin if you plugged in two six two sixes into it? It isn't. That's just basically two sixes, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe the wiring is different in the uh, schematics that Tom's hardware published. So. Hmm. Okay. Uh, here's one from uh, Luis uh, Halbert. Um, what do you think about the rumor that Apple and Samsung are interested in buying ARM? I Arms don't... up for sale, they said. They uh, the rumor. I'm not sure if it's a rumor or official, but SoftBank was looking to potentially sell Arm, uh, which you know is basically inside of every mobile device that there is. So it would make sense for Apple or Samsung to be the one to buy it, if it doesn't wind up being you know Microsoft or Google or something like that. But are you saying is he? That's I understood the question. Him saying Apple and Samsung. Do you mean both together sharing ARM? Is That's that going to happen? Yeah, yeah. To me, those are like it's they are bitter. Those are yeah. Those are bitter, bitter enemies. They would never share anything. I guess the only reason why, if Samsung and Apple bought ARM, makes sense could be because if Apple bought ARM, you would see people abandon ARM. Like, oh my god, because. Apple is not into buying ARM to share with the world, to share with everybody. That's not how they work. Um, I don't think they would want to do that. It's not to their advantage. So I would, every single vendor based on ARM would look for an exit strategy at that point. So I, I just, it's scary to think that if they actually sell it. I mean, if ARM has been so great because everybody gets a piece of it, if you suddenly have Google or Apple or Samsung or think about this, Intel owning ARM, 
it would really change the entire world of 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 computing and mobile computing because um just people don't trust they don't trust each other they're they're competitors so but i'm not sure if it was a rumor or confirmed but there there have definitely been whispers of arm being sold which if it is it's going to be different i mean arm is switzerland like gordon was saying that's that's the that's the value in it if I could see Apple buying it just to say, hey, because they are now all in on their chips. Right. So I could see them buying it. I don't see the Department of Justice letting Intel buy <laughs> freaking ARM. But, uh, I mean, like, what are the alternatives? Like, there's, like, MediaTek. But that well, runs Media ARM, too, doesn't it? There are, there are like, everybody's a licensee yeah. of ARM because it, it, yeah. is, it is essentially Switzerland. If you suddenly had Apple owning ARM... Well, I mean, and it, it makes sense that, frankly, Apple would buy it because, one, they, they can't money. let Samsung buy it. <laughs> can't let Samsung. Are you kidding? They're like, Apple's like, if this is up for sale, we're going to buy it. We got the money. And we're no way in hell we're going to let ARM, con- we're going to let Samsung control it or we're going to let Intel or anybody else have a say in that. But think about it this way. What if what if Apple says, you know what? I'm going to break the checkbook out. We're going we're gonna to buy TSMC and we're going to buy ARM. Right now, when it's like, wow, that would like it really changes the math. It's like, wow, Apple is going to be this force to be reckoned with for the next 300 years. But it's like everybody else that uses TSMC and ARM, they're going to be like, uh, where are we going to go now? Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, what power, I guess. I mean, power is kind of making this open power come back. And I don't know. Suddenly, suddenly Intel will be like, oh, suddenly we're your friends now. (laughs) I, I don't know. It's it's. Who knows? It, it's technology. Just it'd be interesting because technology changes overnight. It's like, oh, everything's fine, and suddenly, oh yeah, we're screwed, right? <laughs> uh, all right, uh, I'm gonna dig a little deeper into the Discord question section because it's it's been a while since we've hit some of these. Um, and then this actually, this it's funny. This uh, Boria Zero uh, put this up on what is it, July fourth. Uh, said there's a theory that NVIDIA was trying to use Samsung option to negotiate a better price on TMC 7 nanometer for Ampere, and it failed. But is it possible that it was the other way around and they used TMC to get a better price on Samsung 8 nanometer, which they planned to use from the start and possibly producing all of its Ampere cards on? Definitely possible. <laughs> uh it's all about margins in the hardware world. Any bit that you can save, if you can save 2% on every single GPU that you make, that adds up to millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they should be trying to do stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. I have no insight into that. I've, I've heard I've heard chatter. I'm just kind of like kicking back at CES with a vendor and another journalist um, talked about that. And this person does knows everything but I don't want to mention his name because it was a it was a private conversation I don't I don't think I'd want to name them but that was one of the theories that was kind of kicked around is that they were you know Nvidia did want back in at, at TSMC because of delays at Samsung so yeah hmm. okay uh, here's one from uh, Ziv uh, straight into the point uh, do the new XT chips look like they would be good for undervolting the, that we talked about a couple weeks ago. I know. Has anybody done any undervolting tests with them? I don't. I don't have any insight, but they are 
they are obviously better parts. They are binned up parts. So they are clearly the best of the best of the of the Ryzen parts that have been on the market so far. So that indicates that very, very possibly. <laughs> okay. Uh, and yeah, man, wow. The, these rumors for the ARM thing must have cropped up earlier this month because here's one from uh, <laughs> Boris the Spider. What if the reason Apple is going to ARM is to essentially bring the iOS touch capabilities to the main OS to catch up with Windows? Oh, I, well, I guess it's not them about buying ARM, but moving to it's ARM. It's going to wind up happening. You know, it's interesting because I, I actually, I sort of think, you know, the the narrative from the mainstream tech media is that uh, Apple is doing this be, because this is the winning proposition. This is the direction to go to because Apple's, they finally put all the chess pieces in place and they're now going to make their master move and to do this. And it makes sense. And the, essentially, most people have said Apple is so brilliant, so smart, and they never fail that they are doing this because they are so smart and they never fail. And I, I do buy into that, but also at the same time, it is possible that has Apple, because if you think about it, has Apple been forced into doing this because the success of Microsoft with Windows? Well, Microsoft made the investment years ago to integrate touch, you know, touch pen and everything into its its Windows operating system. It is an awesome experience. The store is, of course, a joke, but it's, you know, having touch on Windows 10 is actually really, really nice um, to have. And to have pen support, all that's rolled into it's all baked in. For the most part, it generally works really well. And if you look at a lot of the tablet sales, a lot of the for analysts who count it correctly, a lot of the sales have been concentrated in those convertibles, those slates that run Windows OS because people like, hey, I, I like having a real laptop and then also having a you know tablet experience and touch and all that other stuff. And if you look at iPad sales, you know, they they were going up like a rocket. They flattened out and they've been they've been trending down for years and years and years. You could argue that the success of Windows ten with touch and with pen and integrating it all into this OS and these, you know, the success of all these great laptop designs has forced Apple to go to ARM in order to do this. They have to sort of, they can't just continue to, to, to put, do See, the same old thing, you know? I think that a generation or two from now, Max will have such support, I think, by, you know, integrating everything so tightly with iOS development. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion in my brain. Like I, I would be shocked if it didn't happen. Uh, and I think that Windows 10 has finally gotten to the point where touch can be a compelling feature like this. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with the chips, though. I think that would happen even if they were on Intel. Uh, I think they're just two things that happen or, that are happening around the same time. It's convenient at, at the same time. I don't think one drove the other necessarily. Yeah, but I sort of think it sort of drives. They had to do something because clearly, iOS tablets are have been in decline for years. Macs have always been very steady, so they're sort of forced now to merge the two. They, you know, they never really had to do it before. But I mean, if it, you could argue, and I'm not saying this is true, but you definitely, it is arguable that um, you know they were forced to do this by the, the success of 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 touch and pen and all the integration that Microsoft has done on, on Windows, whereas. They've had these two separate worlds that it was the worst thing ever to not have a touchscreen on, on a Mac, a MacBook. I mean, it's just dumb. To have touch on a laptop is awesome, and it is actually one of the main motivators that, that drives people to buy a lot of – even Chromebooks. Chromebooks have touch, 
And a lot of people want touch. They just there's nothing like just grabbing the screen and scrolling down or touching a button. It's just like it's stupid not to have it. It's supported in the OS, so they're sort of forced to do it. And this, you could argue that. I'm not saying that's what I think happened, but I could I could see someone making that argument instead of the the normal argument that Apple's brilliance is is they they've got the chess pieces all in in place, you know. But maybe they've like you know what our, our iPad sales are sinking, and we got to do something. All right. Uh, Peter has something uh, that he says, uh, a subject that PC World has neglected. What will happen to Intel and AMD if ARM takes over x86? You mean wins? Yes. I think he means wins, though, if they succeed. Uh, Well, for one thing, ARM is already won in some ways. Their PCs are, they reproduce at human speeds. ARM-based devices reproduce at insect speeds, you know, whereas you have x86 sales in the sub 400 million worldwide, you know, ARM-based chip sales are in the billions probably every year, you know. So in some ways, ARM has already won there if you want to count sheer numbers. I, The question is whether ARM can succeed in replacing the functionality of a x86 device. And I'm not convinced that's going to happen. And I, I think, I would think the work of AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA will keep x86-based devices with x86, you know, with basically our, the GPUs well above any ARM capability for years and years and years. So I, I think they will just simply coexist. I think mm-hmm. my my feeling is ARM will not win. It will not defeat, you know, your classic PC use model of laptop or desktop and apple will just simply drive off and make its own little island and it'll be a different thing there it won't be comparable the experiences will will not be comparable at all i think it just at least for several years yeah but i mean years and years years and years i know people like well i the performance will with apple with whatever they make will be awesome but it will be a controlled experience because that's always been different it's the magic of apple is they control it they they pad everything rubber walls and they don't let you go outside. Are we going to assume that Intel, AMD, and NVIDIA are just going to stop development? They're going to stop pushing forward. We're not going to see faster and faster GPUs and you know higher frame rates and monitors, thousand hertz refresh rates, higher refresh rates. You know, mini, just, just they can just simply coexist. There's plenty of room for them to coexist. So I don't think it's going to be one or the other. Or I think. Peter's, you know, asking, could they switch? Could you see Intel and AMD switching over to ARM? No, never. That's it's just not. I just the X eighty six licenses are their secret sauce. Like that's their special, you know, weapon in the arsenal. So right. they're gonna hold on to that. AMD already tried making ARM servers, and they're like, never mind, this ain't worth it, and backed out of them. Yeah, it was a miserable failure, frankly. Yeah. So, and you know, Intel had an ARM license, Xscale, years and years ago. They sold them off. I, you know, I, I think I think both can succeed. But competition, frankly, is good for everybody. Apple and all ARM-based vendors need to continue to try to make it a better, to make it experience. But it has to give you the high performance, you know, fine-grained experience of what you're getting out of a laptop, out of a desktop. Otherwise, it, nobody cares about the architecture or whatever. I don't. I don't even care. But give me the same functionality, and I'll be happy. But until we get there, I'm not going to say 
one is, you know, I'm not going to pretend one is benefit of the doubt. Well, arm is going to win. I mean, yeah, prove it when you can prove it that, you know, you can give me that, that fantastic performance and what I expect out of a PC, then, then we'll talk, but I ain't seen it yet. Okay. Well, uh, Fonzie B74 asks, uh, do you think that the 3300X was a performance test and we'll see more single CCX chips from AMD with the 4000 series? Well, these new parts are pretty much kind of that. I mean, is it a single CCD in these? So, yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. They're going to... They're going to do what makes sense for business. You know, the, the, the multiple CCDs for high core count makes sense for business. Um, but, you know, I, who knows so what we'll get to with the next-gen parts. Having to use the chiplets to squeeze so many more cores into them makes sense when you have to do that. But when they're, you know, like these APUs today, they have eight cores in the single chip chiplet, right? So, I mean, when you could do that, why wouldn't you if you can? And then, you know, split up the failed dies into a lower skew part and have a couple using infinity fabric and stuff like that. Yeah. I think the more interesting future for all of us is we're clearly monolithic has sort of reached its end. Um, the usefulness of, you know, the, the monolithic die is going to be more limited as we go forward. Clearly AMD is going to be betting on, you know, it's infinity fabric to connect multi chips together. Intel is going to be using EMIB. You have multi-chips with multi-functionality and, you know, different process sizes for doing different things down the road. So I I, I don't think it really comes down to a single CCX, single CCD question. I think it probably will come down to, you know, multi, multi-chips multi connected through high-speed fabrics that, you, that will still be, you know, transparent to the end user, so... And, and this kind of plays off that same question Dennis is asking. Do you think x86 will embrace the best features of ARM, like the big little principle? We already have now. So Intel, and I again, I will, I remember when Intel was showing me the very, very first core laptops. And they were, they were trash talking big little. They said, this is the, this is weak. We think big little is the, is totally weak. We think we can scale what you get better performance by scaling clock. Fast forward to today, and they are now doing big little with the uh, Lakefield, the Fovero stuff, where they have basically Atom, you know, connected to Core with the stack, those stack parts. So they they have embraced it. Nice. All right. Uh, side note. Uh, well, see, it is it is very different implementation though. Uh, the the PC was not Windows was not designed to support that as well natively as the mobile operating systems are. So there are going to be learning curves. If you look at the first leg field reviews that we've seen from like Tom's hardware and non-tech so far, uh, you can definitely see uh, performance, you know, learning curves still to come. Uh, It'll depend on how well windows is able to adapt to that. And I think part of that will be how well customers embrace it. Cause I mean, if nobody's buying it, they're not going to invest the time in there to make it huge. Yeah. And you know, it really does. And I saw those as well. I, I do think we've we've talked about this internally, but I, I think my my opinions are again. I'm a professional button pusher. I love bar charts. I love all the performance stuff. Talking about all the benchmarks and all that stuff with these new Windows 10X devices and with these these essentially ultra portable devices, people need to 
I don't really care about when I'm going to get out a Geekbench. I don't care about a Cinebench number on these devices. I know I'm people are going to call me a shill because Intel's been saying this. But if I have a folding device, do I, I don't really care about 3D rendering on it. The only thing that I really want on that folding device is for all the applications that I use to give me, and here's my shout-out to Apple, an Apple-like smooth, never-slow-down, always-feeling-smooth experience, some ridiculous benchmark that measures something that you're just never going to do on that device, I don't care about, but I want that thing to be smooth when I use Office. I don't want the browser to just hit these massive lag spikes to, to basically feel like an atom. If it doesn't feel like an atom part and everything is just buttery, smooth, and beautiful, then I don't care about the benchmarks. And I'm a professional benchmark monkey, right? So, I mean, I think that's that's really what Intel was trying to say a couple months ago that everybody dragged them over. But do I care about a stupid Android phone benchmark? No, I don't give a damn. All I want is my stupid Pixel phone not to get these lag spikes. And I get them on, you know, as it's aged out, it, I get them now. But you just simply want that always buttery smooth experience. And you don't care about an artificial benchmark. As long as everything you do on the device is super smooth, that's the only thing that matters. So that's how Windows 10X and these these Lakefield Foveros things, they, that's how they're going to have to succeed if people accept that all I really want to do is run Chrome, Edge, and Office on this thing. I'm not going to run want to run, you know, Premiere on, a, you know, an 8-inch folding tablet. It's just, you know. It'll depend know. highly on form factor and price and all kinds of other stuff, too, because they that's were going to have to make do. that clear. That look, this is a lightweight. You know, we're here to, to to provide this experience, and not you know, if it looks like a standard laptop but significantly underperforms in those benchmark tests, I think it makes a difference. But if they do a good job of selling like those uh, the Surface Duo or what a Neo or whatever they call them, the folding devices, like you're talking, I'm totally on board with everything you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's really hard, right? I mean, that was the original failure of of. Uh... You know, Surface RT and, and, and Windows RT was, I can't run this. I can't run. I have this this copy of Intuit that I've been running from 1998, and I can't run it on this. And <clears throat> the latest news is, you know, their Windows 10X is going to throw 32-bit mode overboard, right? Mm. And if that's true, I, I understand why they have to do that. And the question is, will the PC audience really accept that they that legacy, which has made the PC so strong, has to go overboard for this one particular version of Windows to succeed. And I don't know. That That's really up to customers, right? I wish they would be better at branding. Like, even with Surface RT, I mean, there were so many things that didn't work. It was a no-go. Windows RT in general. There's a reason nobody wanted to make them. But, I mean, 10X... That doesn't convey what it is well enough to me. I had the same issue with Windows 10 S, which is basically the exact same thing. Hey, you're locked to the Windows Store. Uh, if they called it like Windows Lite or something like that for in light devices, like I yeah. think it and just say, hey, yeah, you can't install hardware info, but you don't need to. You just need to have you know Chrome, Office, and you know the Amazon app if you're into that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it does almost feel like they need to call them because the the really secret success in the world that Apple and, and Microsoft don't like to talk about is Chrome OS. Chrome OS is just, it's like backdoor taking over education. It just, and you know, it continues and continues to be a fantastic device for what it is. And 
And the perfect example is Windows 10 on ARM is a horrible experience. I've tried it. I've tried to love it. I've tried to everything. It works, but you will not enjoy it. You run Chrome OS on an Atom-based laptop and like, hey, you know, <laughs> it's actually pretty good. You mm-hmm. were like, no, oh, yeah, I can live with. You can live with it. Mm-hmm. So Windows 10X on these new ultra portable, you know, um, Lakefield parts, it's it's got to be something like that, and they have to market it so that the average Windows person will accept it. And they always, the average Windows person who's always been a PC person is like, that deal breaker has always been, I can't run this. Is really that's what kills it for everybody, you know. That's why I wish they called the Windows 10 late. I think that or something like that that gets the point across. The X, it's just going to be the X through the things that you want to be able to do and you can't. <laughs> like it's going to become yeah. a joke or something like that. Well, you almost want you almost want to not associate it with with Windows, but the Windows brand is so huge. Mm-hmm. Windows sort of everybody expects. Oh, with Windows, I can run 1998 software. Right, that's an accepted. If you can't, it's a fail. That's that's how everybody views it. But you, how does Microsoft ever push anything or brand anything that is not Windows, but is Windows, you know, or limited, you know? It's because they yeah. they're going to have to on these devices. They are going to be so limited in functionality and power. They're just going to have to wall off to an Apple like wall off things that just don't run. And I don't know how. People are going to accept that, but you know. And again, part of that's on us. A lot of that is on us, on reviewers. If you're going to give it to reviewers, they run Cinebench and Handbrake and Geekbench and all these other things, and go, "Oh my God, look how much this bar is smaller than the other bar." That's that's really on the reviewers' fault. Again, the experience, experiential, is is very important. At the same time, it's a sellout to everybody who likes their bar charts, right? Everybody who likes their charts, they're going to like. You're just that's that's I don't know how we're going to get past that. That's how it's going to succeed, and it's very arguable. That if you had a Chromebook running Windows, you know why do you need these stupid benchmarks? Mm-hmm. You know something I just barely noticed uh, that Microsoft does. Uh, they had the Windows 10s, and then now the upcoming 10x. It's like on the Xbox where the, the but it, it, well, like it's not one to one where the Xbox the low end is the 10s or the Xbox One S, and then the high end is Xbox One X. <laughs> and it's opposite. like, wait, so they're almost implying that Windows 10X is going to be the higher end one? <laughs> I, yeah, they're using yeah. the same letters but not doing it in the same. Microsoft way. branding is just, yeah, yeah. horrific. <laughs> just always has been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I never uh, thought of that. That's a very good point, right? Isn't that weird? <laughs> um, Karthik uh, said it was uh, it was their birthday. Uh, happy birthday! Joining us for the show on their birthday uh, and gave us ten rupees or a hundred rupee, rupees. For hey, some you're doing this on wrong. His birthday. Yeah, that's that's not how it's supposed <laughs> to be. Uh, but yeah. Oh, we. You know what? We could sing happy birthday, but we'd have to pay ASCAP fees. So uh, no, <laughs> happy. Can't do it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Okay, uh, another question from uh, Eric on Fire is NVIDIA, um, uh, uh, the rumor of NVIDIA introducing an RTX 3090, uh, is that way of them adjusting price expectations for the rest of the product stack? Meaning that, you know, you compared the 1080 versus the 2080, but you don't want to compare it to the 3090 because that's one higher. So do you think that that's something they're trying to get ahead of? Or if it's very possible. It's very possible, especially... When you consider the 20 series, tried doing that already, ish, but 
in reality, like the 2070 costs what a uh, 1080 used to cost. So they might be rejiggering a bit to go back to traditional value. Uh, personally, I would think if there's a 3090, if that winds up happening, it's because they're just gearing up the heaviest possible counterpunch to whatever AMD is able to do with Big Navi. And it's just some ridiculous over the top thing that's like $2,000, like we've never seen before, 1500 bucks. So that would be my guess because Big Navi still full of question marks. You know, there's a bunch of rumors going around of varying degrees of re- reliability and credibility, uh, but it looks like it might be pretty good. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they just have that in their back pocket. Like, okay, if it does wind up pre- being pretty good and it does go toe to toe with a 3080 Ti, then we'll just drop this ludicrous ass thing that does take a 12 pin power connector. <laughs> yeah. For people don't know, would you agree, Brad? NVIDIA's DNA is to never, never seed leadership position. 100%. Anything, right? That's just simply, yeah. it's part of their DNA. Like, it just, you know, it must like, I bet Jensen can't sleep at night if he's number two. And I think he, even if he knows no one's going to buy a 3090 because it's 2000 bucks, mm-hmm. he just wants to be in first place because, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be in second place. Yep. I, I get, we've talked about it on past shows, but I, I have no problems with that. I would love to see it. Like once you start getting up into crazy stuff like that, it's like, this is just pure unbridled power. It's going to cost a ridiculous amount, but this is like, this is what peak performance looks like. Like the meme goes. I'm all for that. So, <laughs> yeah, and it works too because I mean, if if whatever big navy comes out and it'll be it's if it's a good part, it's competitively priced. There's always going to people who go, but what about how come you don't have a 3090 competitor? You know, <laughs> AMD will be like, yeah, because we're not going to sell two thousand yeah. dollar video cards because <laughs> we only need to make five of them. But I think that would be their answer. But still, mm-hmm. you know, it works. It, it you know, these last generation of parts from AMD have been awesome parts, but they didn't have a 2080 Ti killer. And that's where it's like, what? You don't have a 2080 Ti killer? So look at just how it sets the sets the discussion. Okay. Um, we have a... They didn't even have a 2080 killer, to be fair. But well, yeah. That's let's cool. continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, we got a, a fun one. Uh, Jufes. Uh yeah, I'm going to say it like that. It says, uh, hey, guys, uh, I've been a huge fan for a long time and finally wanted to become a part of the community. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, my first question is, why do you think um, uh, why do you think everyone gets so heated online over the node that companies use, like Intel being on 14 nanometer still and NVIDIA using Samsung 8 nanometer for their GPUs as if anything except TSMC 7 nanometer is peasant crap? You want to, I, cause people, they, well, there's, there's a certain, you know, sports team tribalism that's going on now. Um, and I think, uh, Intel has really, really worn that carpet out. That carpet is worn out. It's like, there's no shag left on that carpet for 14 nanometer. So it is not great. That's probably a lot of it. And, you know, also, you know, NVIDIA not being on seven nanometer as well is, is, been a problem it does it actually make a difference i don't think so because if intel comes out with 10 plus and it's competitive or faster 
Who cares what the process is? If NVIDIA is on Samsung 8 nanometer and they're faster, who cares what the process is? But the parts are not yet. So, again, this is the hand-wringing of the PC community. That's always the sky is falling or people like me saying we're under attack by everybody else. It's just simply part of that. And uh, clearly... A lot of the awesomeness of AMD for the last year has been because they are tied. They got in early on that uh, uh, TSMC 7 nanometer, and Apple is on you know TSMC. So TSMC is in a clear leadership position, which is you know that that's been a change. So I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with them, of course, that 10 nanometer or 8 nanometer Samsung is bad until we see parts, but. Um, a lot of it's just because you know what you have something that's a known quantity, awesome parts, and you have an unknown quantity that's coming up. So that's and people just like making fun of each other now. So they just like to Yeah. Everybody likes to trash talk everybody. There's a lot of that. Uh and I do think Intel just being stuck on fourteen nanometer for so long plays into it. Like uh pardon me. Uh two generations ago for graphics cards, uh the GTX 10 series came out, I think, technically 16 nanometer process, and AMD came out, I think, on 14. It might have been 14 and 12, I forget. But, you know, slightly different numbers, but essentially the same thing. In general, going moving forward process nodes, like making jumps like that, does give you a technological advantage, and you can do more with it. Depending on all sorts of details, there's a huge asterisk with that. But in general as a particular chip manufacturer is moving ahead of process node, you have more room for more transistors, all kinds of other stuff you can do. So that's why people care about it. But like Gordon said, when it comes down to it, we're really buying and reviewing products, not white papers. So all the hand wringing in the world doesn't matter. What matters is what this thing can do, how much it costs compared to the competition. And how many you can make, right? Yields will matter, so all that matters. Um, Yeah, but yeah, people do freak out. It's it's like Nintendo versus Sony. It's like PC versus console. It's like Android versus iPhone. Electronics are big, expensive investments, and when you drop four or five hundred dollars on something, you want to feel like you're making the right decisions. And so, I think it tends to fuel the flames of fanboyism much more so than. Like, if someone's like, I like McDonald's, and you're like, oh, I like Burger King. Everyone's like, oh, cool, we like different stuff. But when you're talking about, you know, a $500 console versus a $500 PC, that you feel that more. And I think that's a big part of the reason people get worked up over nodes. Yeah, it is silly, though, because it, it ultimately it's it's what's in your hand. It's not <laughs> – you're not buying the fab. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have a TSMC sticker on, on your computer. So I uh, – and, you know, there was this thing, remember – uh, Intel argued three years ago that our 14 nanometer is like Samsung's 10 nanometer or something like that yep. because yep. nanometers are, are essentially made up marketing terms sometimes. And yep. they are arguing this. Of course, at that time, it seemed like, okay, I can buy into this because I can sort of see that. And they were saying their 10 nanometer was going to be, you know, pure awesomeness. But, you know, after three years of being stuck in the mud at 14, I, I think. People are really leery of any claims over process advantage from Intel until we see actual products at this point. They have to prove it. They no longer get the benefit of the doubt at this point. So that's probably – it just does feed a lot of it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Got time for a couple more fun ones? Sure. 
All right. Uh, they were talking, uh, uh, Brad, about your um, your weightlifting habits uh, that you okay. you're posting Weird. on Twitter uh, in Discord. <laughs> right. So uh, Ziv has a question: uh, How far could Brad chuck a standard ATX case in a competition? Uh, I threw a 15 pound watermelon, like 20 feet the other day. <laughs> so <laughs> it depends. <laughs> Maybe, nice. and I think it'd be easier to grab an ATX case, but it depends on how you flip it. I, it depends how much practice you get, but I would go 15 <laughs> to 20 feet. <laughs> you, know what, you know what works really well, Brad? I was at a land party. Oh, good Lord. It was, was when, right before they came out with the, the, uh, the bulldozer, the original bulldozer parts. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the contests was a power supply chucking contest. Because if you think about it, power supplies are great because you grab it, yeah. not modular, though, because that's dangerous. Right? So you, you would just chuck, and people were like, man, I just. That would be. Oh, Brad, you should try the power supply chucking contest. Suppose those 1200 watts. There's a Twitter it's post like, right there. I got an old power supply sitting right over there. We'll see what can happen. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, Dennis Severian asks, uh, what's your favorite type of beer except the free one, of course? <laughs> My Brad? favorite beer is uh, it's called Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. It's wonderful. It, it has notes of bourbon. It also tastes like kind of like cream soda, and I love it. It's very high alcohol, so you don't have to drink much. Uh, more realistically, I tend to drink PBRs because I'm getting up there in age and I can have a PBR or two without feeling it for three days. <laughs> well, <laughs> I actually like Red Stripe and what is it? There's this Hawaiian brand. Is it Longboard? Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I actually do prefer those. If I if I do buy it on occasion, I will buy it. But, you know, honestly, and I, I this is true. I'm not being paid for an endorsement. I actually like Budweiser, too. Because you yeah, take... I don't mind Bud. You, you take a Budweiser 40, and you got to do this with a 40 because the glass, mm-hmm. and you put it in the freezer till it gets nice and cold, like almost icy, and then you drink it. It's awesome. You were I've just told the by, pro tips this episode. I've been told by I've been told by beer people that's because it's so horrible that it's only good when <laughs> it's, it's frozen. But mm-hmm. I disagree. If you have a near frozen, like the temperature is just like like ice cold. It's like a Budsicle. Don't don't tell me your little craft beer is any better than that because I don't really want flavor out of my beer. I mean, it's just you know, it's just kind of like that thirst quenching drinking of a Budweiser, nearly frozen, is way better than whatever some asparagus tasting craft beer that you're drinking. <laughs> Sorry. That said, we have a craft brewery in the next town over, and they make really awesome stuff, and I do like that stuff, like vanilla porters, and you know. The, 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 Fluffier stuff, I like that kind of stuff yeah. too. Also, the the way you're saying it, Gordon, makes you sound like a frat boy. Like, I don't care what it tastes like; I just want the alcohol. <laughs> no, because I, I don't want the alcohol. Because you know, there, you know, when it was super hot, we've been going through these heat waves. Man, there's nothing like a good beer, right? You have that like super cold beer, like at the ballpark when you get it out of the ice, because it's like, it's awesome. And you know, actually, sometimes that that I don't want beer to be a meal. Which is I don't really get. I just want to like to quench that thirst, and it's when it's just when it's that ice cold. It really is a thirst quencher. It makes me want to have one right now. You've right? sold just, me. I'm going to try it. <laughs> yeah, you, just, you take. You got to do it with a forty, the forty Budweiser, because yeah. the glass just. Uh, I, uh, you know, I don't know. That just kind of shows you know what kind of class of citizen I am, but. It's, <laughs> It's good stuff. I went to a 40s themed uh, costume party once. I believe it was a Halloween party. And my brother in law 
showed up just wearing a Colt 45 shirt with a red wagon full of 40s, and he was the star of the party. Wow. Okay, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Malt beer. Malt beer. <laughs> or malt drink. They can't even yeah. call it beer. Now they it's a drink. Really it beer. Yeah. 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 Drink. Malt beverage. Uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a stout and a porter kind of guy. Um, so last one from Peter. Uh, this question is for you, uh, Gordon. Uh, which DEF CON stage are we at with the PC being under attack? Boy, you know, I always get it backwards. Let's see. Uh, it's actually back. DEFCON 5 is, is you're at war. We're at, I feel like we're at uh, 3, right? Because it goes 1 to 5, right? It's always backwards because you always think DEFCON 1. But DEFCON 1 is actually like, hey, everybody, let's just kick back at the base. Mm-hmm. Switch off the new codes. Let's just get, drink the ice-cold Budweiser's. That's 1. So uh, <laughs> 5 is like, yeah, those, those ICBMs are leaving the silo. Um so, no, we're definitely at three, and it's going to get there. I know Elena and Brad and Adam think I'm nuts, but I've, I've, lived through, I've lived through this so many times before. We will see the first ARM-based Apple devices. Mainstream tech sites will proclaim PC is dead. ARM-based Macs, most awesome thing ever. Look how super smooth this is running this limited app through the app store oh my god we also have this is the headline i will read in the new york times by there's a columnist there that will say this i'm not going to name this columnist but he's always he's always taking shots at the pc with with apple apple's new arm based macs and game consoles the pc is finally really dead and that will be a headline you will read and replicate it across the internet over and over and over again and that will happen this fall so right now we are defcon 3 which is a prepared state luckily we have our own parts coming we hopefully get intel's butt out of gear and we get some 10 plus parts out of them we're going to have you know big navi we're going to have zen uh, 3 we are going to have uh, next gen nvidia parts so we are not going to take this line down but there will be we will be moving to DEFCON 4, I anticipate, fully by uh, the fall. You can write it down. I will eat paper. If if I don't find a headline written in a reputable mainstream tech place saying the PC is dead by this fall, I will eat my words. <laughs> uh, also, chat likes to point, uh, would like to point out it's it's the opposite. Uh, DEFCON 1 oh, is one, war. So. 1 is war. So it's always, see, I always get it backwards. So, like, <laughs> I, so I we're still 3. Either. Yeah, it's always backwards. <laughs> So five is kicking back, drinking your ice cold, forty, 40 ounce Budweiser. Budweisers. <laughs> One is your yeah, that's okay. All right, and we got cool. the we got the DefCon two with the Cuban Missile Crisis. I think was that the closest we've ever gotten. Or was that three? It was two, I think. Yeah, I think so too. But we're at three. We're definitely at a solid three. We have been at a four for a long time because oh my god, it's it's peace and everybody accepts we're snowing their war, but we will get we will move up again. People will be writing and saying and cheering for the PC to be dead again by this fall. It would be awesome if they compare those Apple devices and consoles against Windows 10X devices for these gaming comparisons. <laughs> of course people are going to say that. I mean, everybody, and it will be, I mean, that's why. Xbox can, Series X, Windows 10X, like same thing. Adam was saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I never put that together, but that is. X a, means hardcore. Windows 10X <laughs> is hardcore. 
I don't think you know clearly that I don't think that's intended, but it will no. look like that to some people. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. it's it's got to be somewhere, right? Windows 10s, Windows 10x, like that's the branding is somewhere in Microsoft saying you should yeah. use s's and x's. But you have different, you have very different units, and they're all separated. And I'm sure somebody did theirs first. So hey, that's cool. Yeah, nothing yeah. about the implications of it. All right, well let's uh, let's get out of here. It's uh, it's lunchtime. I'm nope. ready. Lunchtime, we got to get out of here. Got to find the show notes to get us out of here. Uh, check back for next week for your fix of PC talk on the full nerd for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And also, please leave a review if you're one of those places. Every time you do, we put a cold forty ounce Budweiser in the freezer. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Thirsty now. Elena Yi. <laughs> bye. She's in the chat actually. Oh, she, she says is. bye. <laughs> And Anne and Patrick Murray's going to hit the off switch. Uh, you know, I think we should start a, a PC uh, games, Olympic games, you know, with uh, with power supply. Power supply chucking? And, yeah. Brad, Brad's going to be our representative. I, I nominate Brad. So. <laughs> uh, we'll see you at the, the PC games. See you later. Bye. Bye.